Would you turn in your Bibles with me to um, Mark chapter 1? Mark chapter 1 and follow along um, either in your Bibles or it'll be on the screens as well as we read Mark chapter 1 verses uh, 14 through 20. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Give it up for Wayne Cummings, one of our community group leaders. Wayne is uh, an awesome guy. Their community group meets on Sunday nights. And uh, he and his wife, Veronica, have been uh, just an absolute blessing uh, to our church and to, uh, and to me. Um, today, we're continuing in our series in Mark, and uh, we're at verse 14, as he just began to read. And we talked last week as we began the year about this idea that servanthood is greater than service. And so we're going to press into that in different ways all throughout the year. Uh, but today, we just continue in, in the book of Mark, beginning in verse 14, and uh, it says there right at the beginning, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. And um, we, can, we can run past that, but there's a huge handoff, a huge transition, a huge thing that's happening right there. Um, Monday night, Alabama won the national title. Nick Saban tied Bear Bryant's record. And it was his sixth national title. I don't know how, how many for Alabama. But, and so like that seems like no news. But the news was in the fact that um, Alabama, who has been good for so long, changed their quarterback, the leader of their team at halftime. If you watch the game, if you're a football fan, um, and if you're not, that's a really big deal. Okay, That's a big deal. Jalen Hurts, 15-2 and two as a starter, like all-American guy, great player, but they have a bad half, and Nick Saban changes quarterbacks at halftime and goes to this guy named Tua Tamagotchi. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but it's something like that. He's from Hawaii, and I can't pronounce his name. And um, if, you, if you don't know the story, Tua comes in, he changes the, he changes the game, he throws the game-winning pass in overtime, and, and overnight, Tua is this national phenom and sensation, right? And um, we see some of that same transition happening here uh, right at the beginning of Mark 1 and verse 14. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. John was this guy we talked about last week. He was the guy who had begun this ministry, and we remember we saw that all the people were flocking out to him in the wilderness. They were going to hear this message that he was proclaiming, and they were being baptized by him. And now all of a sudden it says, John was arrested. Wow. Rock star minister one day arrested the next. And then Jesus came into Galilee. There's a huge shift in the story. Uh, everything had changed. Um, not unlike Lee's story when a loved one uh, 
passes or when our job changes or, or life just goes differently, all of a sudden everything that seems so certain and so secure and so normal is upended and we aren't really sure what's going on. And the people who would have been uh, in Galilee at this time might have felt that same uneasiness as we read. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. You know, I think it's easy for us to feel like the, the Bible characters and spiritual leaders, like that um, they've got everything figured out, right? Like we just kind of skip past that. But John was arrested. There, there's stuff going on in their life. And when these things happen in our life, we're not always sure how to deal with the insecurities that they bring up in us. A month ago, we went and spent Christmas with my family. And we, um, my family got there first because we're the farthest away. And so we're sitting in the living room and my grandpa is, you're not going to believe this, my grandpa is like 5'8", okay? <laughs> He's this old, little old bald guy and he has this really dry cackling laugh and, and he laughs all the time. He is the jolliest little old short man I know. And uh, he's sitting in his, his typical chair in the corner. He's watching our kids play, and I'm sitting there beside him on the couch, and we're all laughing and having a good time and catching up. And all of a sudden, he looks at me, and he says, Blake, I've got a serious question. I was caught a little off guard. He said, will you preach my funeral? Grandpa's been getting sick. He's been to the hospital several times in the last few months. He's, he's an old guy. Like, it's, it's time. He's lived a great life. We all knew that it was probably time, but I wasn't ready for him to ask me that question. When things change in our life, right? Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee. When things change in our life, it brings up insecurities in us. We aren't sure what life is going to be like without Grandpa cackling in the corner. We aren't sure what's going to happen because this job changed or because this bill came due and I couldn't pay it. And so as we begin this, this passage here in Mark 1, 14 through 20, I think it's really important for us to recognize that things are happening in our life all the time. Changes are happening all the time that bring up insecurities inside of us. Things like, now after we got married, I found out I wasn't who I thought I was, right? Or they weren't who I thought they were. Now, after we've had kids... I wasn't sure if I had what it took to be the best version of myself. My kids sometimes are a mirror that I don't like to look into. Now, after we got into credit card debt, money got tight. Now, after we moved and went to a new town, loneliness set in. Now, after I started hanging out with that person, all of a sudden, I hang out with a new group of people, a new person, and now I feel inadequate. I don't feel like my things or my personality or my stuff or who I am is enough. Now, after I went through that tough breakup, I lost that person in my life. I have no clue what to do. I have no clue where to turn next. Now, after my adult child doesn't stand for the same values I do or, or has rejected my beliefs entirely, I question the very values that I had taught them. Now, after I saw how the world really was, right, the seed of doubt, I wondered how God could even be real. When things change, when a situation changes, much like John's did, where he goes from being in the middle of a ministry that everyone in the town is flocking to, to all of a sudden being arrested, everyone is a little unsettled. Our insecurities come out and we're grasping, searching for something to hold on to, to make us feel safe, to make us feel secure. Because in the middle of our insecurities, Satan disintegrates our sense of self. He disintegrates our security to the point that we start grasping as if we're in quicksand. 
And Jesus' message to them, as they're in the middle of this insecure time, in this point where they're not sure what happens next, Jesus' message is, the time is fulfilled. There's not a better time than in the middle of the mess, in the middle of our insecurities and the madness. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, in the good news that Jesus has already won the battle for you. That's it. That's the whole message. I could sit down. I've got a couple more things to say, but I did cut a few things out after Lee shared his story. Just, just kidding. All right. Anybody ever feel like you get stuck in quicksand? Right? Anybody ever feel like life has you there? You're not sure what's next. You're unsure of yourself, of who you are, of who God made you to be. We may feel like life has us stuck in quicksand sometimes, but, but have no fear because... There was sand between the toes of the first guys that Jesus calls into the mission in this moment right here. In the middle of the insecurities, in the middle of the madness, we move on to verse 16. And it says, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. I love this. Another thing that we, we have to make sure that we don't miss is that Jesus is passing alongside the Sea of Galilee. He goes out to the Sea of Galilee to, to build his team, to call people into the love that he has for them and the mission that he's going to call them to. Now, this is a, a drastic change, right? Because if you, if you know the Bible, if you've heard the story, and, and even if you haven't, the, the thing that we always think is that we have to go to God, that we have to go to him. And in fact, in, in the Old Testament, that's how it was. You went to the temple. You, you went and you worshiped in a certain place. And now, all of a sudden, Jesus, who is God, has come to them. He is meeting them right where they're at, in the middle of their daily lives on the Sea of Galilee while they're fishing. It's just crazy. Imagine if God just came and met you right where you are at, in the middle of your mess and in the middle of everything that's going on in your life. It's like that feeling when somebody rings the doorbell and you haven't cleaned up the house. Jesus meets you where you're at. Ezekiel 34.12 is one of my favorite passages. It says, As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Wherever you are today, whatever you feel like you're going through, whatever you feel like you can't face, Jesus meets you there. He seeks you out in those places. When you feel insecure and when you're not sure what to do next, those are the very places that Jesus loves to find you. Jesus meets you where you're at. But he calls you way past that. He calls you way past that. In verse 16, we see him coming alongside of Simon and Andrew. And then in verse 17, it says, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus meets you where you're at. There is no one too far gone. You haven't done too many things wrong. You don't have too much stuff for Jesus to change you. But he calls you way past where he finds you. This call to be fishers of men was more than just a cute play on words. Okay? I think too many times we read the scripture and we think, oh, fisherman, fisher of men. Ooh, I see what you did there, Jesus. But no, even this was a fulfillment of prophecy. In Jeremiah, and through the prophet Jeremiah, God had said that, that all of Israel who had been scattered because of all of their losses in war, and they were scattered all over the country, 
He even says in Jeremiah that he's sending people to be fishers of men, to gather the lost sheep of Israel and to bring them back to God. And so when Jesus stops and he looks at Simon and Andrew and says, I want to make you fishers of men, it's not just a cute play on words. He's calling them into a vision, into a mission that they have heard about and that they recognize that, that Jesus has come as the Messiah to call everyone back to what God has for them in their life. And Jesus is doing the same for us. He's calling us back to what he has for each of us and for us collectively as a church and as a community. He's calling us into being a part of going and finding and rescuing those that don't know him or have strayed from him. But when he makes this call to Simon and Andrew, remember he met them out on the sea in the middle of their workday, in the middle of the business, and he calls them with this prestigious call to be fishers of men, and they would have had to do exactly what you and I would have to do. They look around and they're like, I'm standing on a boat with my nets, my fishing crew, my catch from the day. Literally everything that I have, right, is standing around me. And Jesus is saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'm calling you into the greatest vision, the greatest mission that I've ever heard of. And I have a choice. Am I going to leave all of this stuff that is so great and has done me so well, right? Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a good fisherman. I've got a profitable business. I've got to leave this behind and go with Jesus or stay. But they wanted to follow. What would it cost them? The good news of Jesus Christ, that he loves us and that he meets us and that he calls us past where we ever think we could go, it's an incredible message, and we get excited to hear it, and it gives us hope, and it gives us joy, and it gives us passion and courage. But it always interrupts us, right? It always causes us to stop and think, what is this going to cost me? What am I going to have to leave to follow? What do you have to leave to follow? You see, too often I think what we do is we hear the good news of Jesus, we hear the hope that he offers, and we think that we can just add it in with all the rest of the stuff that we've already been piling up in our lives. So if I'm Simon and Andrew, right, it's like, oh, you want me to be a fisher of men, Jesus? Great, I've got this super business here. Why don't you just come with us and we'll see what happens. Hop on the boat. We would love to have you preaching to our guys. He said, ah, no, 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 that's not the way it works. Follow me. Follow me. So what would their response be? Verse 18 says this. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them too. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. It's not about comparison, but just think for a moment about what they left they left their nets, they left their business, they left their livelihood, they left their family. James and John left their inheritance, right? It wouldn't have been uncommon for Zebedee to leave the family business to them. And they left it to likely the hired servants that are there on the boat with them. We know that Simon has a wife and he's, I don't know how that works, how he continues to be married while he follows Jesus, but he did it. Andrew was leaving his livelihood. James and John, they're leaving everything behind. And, and so we're really maybe even intimidated by this idea because all of a sudden we're having to think about what does it cost me to follow Jesus? What do I have to leave behind if I'm really going to follow him? 
But it's not about how much you will give up. Right? It's not about how much you will give up. It's about what you have to leave behind so that you can follow him. And there's a difference. There's a difference. I met a guy um, right around Christmas time named Ed Henson. Uh, <clears throat> a couple of us got asked to uh, go and serve at the Whitney and M. Young Job Corps Center in Simpsonville right around Christmas time. Students from all over the country come there and they study and they, they get job experience. And uh, they'd ask us to come right as they were leaving to go home for Christmas. And uh, we had some care packages, and we were just connecting with the students, that kind of thing. And I met Ed and his wife. And so I meet Ed and his wife, and I, I love stories. So I'm trying to learn his story a little bit. And he was like, we drive up to Simpsonville, Kentucky, to serve at this Job Corps Center every Sunday afternoon, and it takes us three and a half hours to get here one way. I was like... This dude is crazy. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I got to have lunch with Ed again this week. I said, Ed, I got to know the story. How did you get involved with this ministry? Like, why are you driving three and a half hours every week to serve at Job Corps? And he kind of smiled. And I was like, well, this is going to be a good one. He said, we raised our family in church. We had little kids, and we raised them to, to love the Lord. And he said, one of our daughters, by God's grace, um, decided that, you know, she knew that Jesus was calling her to be an international missionary. So she became an international missionary with IMB. Uh, IMB is an uh, international mission board, something that we support here through the cooperative program. And um, when she accepted the call to go do that, she said, Ed said, my wife and I, we began to feel like God was calling us to be missionaries too. So we applied. He said, we're going through this long process and we're getting excited. We're trying to figure out where God specifically is going to call us to internationally. He said, I put in my application, all the things. And he said, we go to our first interview. He said, they turned me down. He was like, He's trying to figure this out. God, I accepted the call. I did, I've left all these things behind, right? Like I, I've figured out how to be done with my house and my job and all the things. Like I've figured it all out. And they said, why, why do you not accept me? And I asked his permission to share this story. I said, you're overweight. He's like, you've got to be kidding me. He was broken. I thought I'd left everything behind to follow Jesus, and you're going to tell me that I can't be a missionary because I'm overweight. He said, I didn't know what to do. He's like, we were just, we were completely lost. We, there was transition, right? Like, now after John was arrested, they didn't know what to do either. He said, we were on a short-term mission trip on the West Coast with our family. All four of us were there. And he said, we were serving, and we met this guy. And this guy began to share a vision for a ministry in Kentucky that would serve the Job Corps and the prisons. And he, and he said it was clear as day. He said, I knew that I was supposed to serve with this guy as a missionary right in my own hometown. And for the last 10 plus years, Ed and his wife have been serving in places like the Simpsonville Job Corps, just loving on people, meeting them, and sharing the good news of the gospel. And to the glory of God, that ministry saw more than 2,000 people give their lives to Christ last year. It's not, about what you, it's not about leaving the most stuff behind. It's not about sacrificing everything. It's about what God specifically is calling you to leave behind. Maybe he's calling you to, to leave behind laziness. And when you leave behind laziness, you realize that that's when Jesus can actually work in you. Maybe he's calling you to leave behind debt. 
And when you leave behind debt, then the king of kings begins to share his riches with you in ways that you never would have expected. Maybe he's calling you to leave behind an unhealthy relationship or unhealthy relationships. And when you do that, you realize that the prince of peace is actually the one who loves you more than anybody else in the entire world. Maybe he's calling you to leave behind a specific sin. And as you leave that sin behind, you find that the spotless lamb of God is cleansing you and making you whole and restoring you to the person that he's called you to be. Maybe he's calling you to leave behind an addiction. And as you leave that addiction behind, he's breaking all kinds of other chains in your life that you didn't even know were there. You see, when you leave things behind as Jesus calls you to and you follow him, there's so much more to offer than what you ever thought possible. Luke 9.24, Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We can't be deceived. We cannot follow Jesus until we are willing to forsake our own plans and wishes. It's all or nothing. You're standing on the boat looking at everything around you that is yours, and Jesus is saying, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So what do you have to leave to follow? What is it? What do you specifically have to leave to follow Christ? So we finish up, I want to answer hopefully another question. And that's, why leave anything to follow this Jesus guy? Why? Is it worth it? When I was in seventh grade, and there are so many stories, so many great stories that start with that phrase. Who doesn't love the awkward middle school years? No offense, middle schoolers. It happens to everybody. Talk about insecurities. Middle school is insecurities to the max. My school, you couldn't wear shorts that weren't below your knees, and you always put gel in your hair. Those were non-negotiables. Jinko jeans were a close third. So, when I was in seventh grade, you can picture me now, my gelled hair, my Jinko jeans, and my long shorts. 6'1", 60 pounds. We had a swim unit for PE. It's even worse. This is, like, like, this is terrible, right? So we have a swim unit for PE, and I'm scared out of my mind because I couldn't swim. Seventh grade, you're supposed to know how to swim, right? Like major insecurity for me, to this day probably. Couldn't swim. So we show up for the first day of swim in seventh grade PE. We change into our swimsuits in the locker room, and we head out to the pool. Um, it was an indoor pool. It was warm. It's good. And I'm expecting to wade into the shallow end, and I'm expecting to, you know, like fake it long enough to make it. Like I can keep all my friends who are really good swimmers from knowing that I'm this awkward 6'1", 60-pound non-swimmer. Miss Etmeyer is her name. She sat us all down, and she's like, here's the plan. She bl she's blows her, blow her whistle, like prototypical stuff, right? <clears throat> she said, each of you are going to be tested today on your swim skills so that we can put you in groups according to your skill level. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> she said, for the test, you're going to jump off the diving board in the deep end, tread water for one minute, and then swim to the side. I can't make this stuff up. This is real life, okay? 
I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So everybody kind of, you know, is just sitting there. And I walk up to her because I'm totally insecure at this point. I'm like, Miss Edmire, I can't swim. She's like, oh, it's okay. Ain't nobody going to drown today. <laughs> I was like, great. Awesome. She's like, you just do it? She's like, don't worry about it. She said, I'm a lifeguard. Nobody, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. <sighs> I failed. Couldn't swim. Pretty miserable. Really embarrassing. Embarrassing enough that people laughed. Um, and uh, needless to say, I was the first to publicly be declared a part of Group B. <laughs> so for all of you who are worried about your kids not getting in the first group, everything can turn out okay in life if you're in Group B, Okay. So I'm in group B, and the next day as part of group B, I was given a paddleboard. That was my paddleboard to take care of during swim class. I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. But here's the thing. I learned to like my paddleboard. I really did. In two weeks, I learned how to swim. Props for Mrs. Etmeyer. That's a good, good PE teacher right there, right? And that paddleboard, what it did was what Christ does for so many of us. It gave me security. When I thought I was going to drown, I could grab it. When I wasn't sure of what to do next, I could just hold on to it and float for a little bit. In the middle of everything else that was unknown, because who knows what's at the bottom of a pool up past eight feet. I'm not really sure yet. I haven't been down that far. <laughs> right? In the middle of all the unknowns of life, Christ gives us security. And so when, when Christ called these guys out of their boats and said, follow me, it seemed like they were leaving everything that brought them security. But what they didn't recognize was that all those things were fleeting and that the perspective that they could gain, right, was that if they would just grab onto Christ, they would have a security that lasted for eternity. That although all these other things would come and go and, and like, let's just be honest, right? We're still in middle school in so many ways, even though we're grown up. We are insecure about all these things. Am I going to lose this? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose my house? Can I provide for my family? Can I give my kids the experience they want? I don't know what your insecurity is, but we all have them. And the only thing that gives us security in the middle of all of that turbulence and all those unknowns is Christ. So it's scary to think about leaving things behind. But if you will just leave behind what he is asking you to and grab onto him and follow him, he will give you the security that you need to face the waters that you're thrown into. That's it. That's the gospel. That Christ wants you. He wants all of you. And he just wants you to hold on to him and nothing else. And he'll give you all the things that you need. It's an honor to be a part of Christ's community. It's an honor to uh, just stand up here and, and talk about the Bible. But the only reason I do it is because I want as many people as Christ calls to just say yes to following him. To stop pretending to leave behind whatever he's asking us to and to just go with him. To trust him more. To jump in and see what happens. We don't have it all figured out. I face insecurities every day just like you do. But today, 
I just want to invite you to take a step in your faith journey. I can't even tell you what that step is without having a conversation with you, right? And getting to know you and learning you and, and whatever God's teaching you in his word. But we want to do that as a church. We want to journey with you. We want to take next steps. Today, if you've never taken the step of, of starting a relationship with Christ, if you've never gone public with that in baptism, the water's still probably a little bit warm, even though it's unplugged now. I don't know. We can make it happen. But leave something behind so that you can follow Jesus in a way that you never have. If you're not sure what that is, but you know you need to take a step, myself and others will be in the back when we get ready to sing this song here in just a minute. And for those of you who are journeying with Christ, right, know that he never stops asking you to give things up. And know that each time he asks you to give something up, he's got something better for you on the other side. And when we take communion every Sunday, as we're going to today, we take a piece of that bread and dip it in the juice. We're remembering that he died on a cross to try and prove to you that that was true and to save you from your sins so that you could take that journey with him. He paid for those sins so that you can journey and take next steps with him. The band's going to come. And we're going to sing. We're going to take communion. We're going to take next steps with Christ. But it doesn't end at this one experience. It doesn't end at the gathering. It doesn't end in these moments. It's just the beginning, right? It's what it's about being an outsider, going outside of this place with whatever Christ is doing in us. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you each one of us as individuals, but also each of us a group of people uh, connected together through the gospel. And so, God, I just um, I pray that in this moment your spirit would reign supreme and that he would invite us to, to something more. That he would push us outside of ourselves, outside of our comfort zones, outside of this building, to be salt and light in the world. Father, for the people in this room that are unsure about who Jesus is, about what their next step is, about what they're doing for lunch today, God, I pray that you would, um, that you would give them uh, clarity of mind and heart in this moment and that you would block all the things out besides you and you alone. And they would find themselves in that same moment that Andrew and Simon were in, where you're inviting them to a life that they never could have imagined, a new life in you, and that you would give them the courage to say yes. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.